Conagro Radio 9.8. We are leading in to the Purdue game, but of course, everybody wants to talk about Michigan basketball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they start. They, they, they have an exhibition tonight. I, I'm, I'm going. I have to miss the Minnesota hockey game to go to this. It's the game against Wisconsin, but. Oh, Wisconsin. Try. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Once I realized I was missing I, it, I wasn't paying as much attention. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, so we've got a talk about the sign gate stuff uh there has been essentially no concrete evidence of anything else coming forward since we last talked about it there's the stallions on the sideline maybe or not thing at cmu i was told that that was him um but in terms of what michigan is looking at it looks like everything that's out is all that's going to come out uh and now we are into the histrionics segment of the show where now what we have is we have uh, an article from Bruce Feldman anonymously surveying coaches, many of whom are furious. And then we have these articles from guys like Thamel Mm -hmm. saying like, Oh, they had this call and Harbaugh hung up and for an hour, the commissioner of the big 10, Tony Petiti um, was basically begging. Well, people were basically begging him to, do something about the greatest scandal in the history of college athletics. And I think we should state off the top that all of this is garbage. Like there was a, a, a coach in the Bruce Feldman article. Who's like, this is worth 21 points a game, which is why all the Vegas lines moved in Michigan's favor after this came out. Right. Mm-hmm. Like Michigan has been, found out stallions is no longer on the sideline they no longer have a sign stealer on staff period we don't know if, that <laughs> well I, I would not i would not guarantee i would not bet the farm that kind of stallions was the only man that was that had that right. capability <laughs> in any case it, any reasonable team playing michigan could very well go to wristbands and completely mm-hmm. defeat michigan sign stealing and vegas has reacted in no way whatsoever to this news and and neither has anybody from Fox. It sounds almost like there's a well, I don't want to get conspiracy-ish, just... but like the, it sounds like ESPN oh. all of a sudden went to, oh my God, this is we're going to have to jump on this too. Which sensationalizing a story about Michigan gets you lots of views, but I think there might also be some pressure from people in the SEC saying this needs to be a bigger issue. Like they want to right. stop with the conspiracy theories. All right, but most of the things that the, the that are being said in the media right now are, are being communicated anonymously from coaches. And then when they get in front of the actual media and have to put their names behind it, they aren't saying anything like this. So like what, what's the problem? If this is really such a big scandal and that everybody is outraged about it, why can't you put your name on it? Like Ryan Walters came out and put his name on it. And I have some level of respect for that. That's mm-hmm. fine. But you know, hiding behind the, uh, cloak of Pete Thamel is like that's cowardly behavior and I mean the richest thing about all of this is that they do put someone's name on one thing and that's Michigan State Athletic Director Alan Holler yes some sort of tearful plea about his players possibly getting injured because Michigan knew their signs when one they went to the sideline for their first two drives performatively and then they stopped. And I just want someone in that room to ask Alan Haller, if you were so concerned 
about the health and safety of your players because of Michigan sign stealing. Why did you change what you were doing two drives into the game? I mean, his this is the stuff coming because this is not the first time they talked about you know the health of the children, right? This is that's well, that's been there even before the sign thing. That was their that was their thing last week, two weeks ago before we played them. He was yeah, and but someone think but of was, the children, but. I mean, for Michigan State in particular, this is every accusation is a confession, right? Mm-hmm. Is what happens in that game? What's the only dirty hit in that game? That's Spencer Brown trying to take Braden McGregor's head off. Right. And he gets ejected. And what happened last year? Did Michigan physically endanger the health of any Michigan State players after that game? No, they didn't. They didn't. So you want to talk about a scandal that endangers the health and safety. You're talking about your own school. And it's clear that they've learned nothing from this, and this will happen again. That's just Michigan State for you. But right now there's a push to, quote, do something. And uh, yesterday, a lot of the premium sites started coming out and saying that they were hearing that a suspension for Jim Harbaugh was coming down the pipe. Mm -hmm. Which seems to be the result of that Big Ten phone call. That, like, the I hear you guys, we're going to do something. And then the question is, what can they actually do? Because I, I think you're the one who said the um, Big Ten only can suspend for two games under their bylaws. Well, the, the commissioner can suspend for two games. And then anything more than that has to go to a, like a board of the athletic directors, and then they have to approve it. So I imagine we're going to get Jim Harbaugh would probably get approved. But if he, he does that, he has to go through that extra hoop. Um, <clears throat> is there an investigation the wildest... that has to happen then as far as like these hoops? I don't know. Like, I mean, do they I really need don't evidence know, of anything to, to... I, <laughs> I, I have no idea. Yeah. Like given what we've heard from the contract negotiations going on at Michigan, they must have gone through everything and seen that there is absolutely nothing linking Harbaugh to any knowledge of what stallions was doing off the books. And you're going to suspend a guy based on nothing at that point. And, you know, the NCAA does have that coach responsibility by law, but the Big Ten doesn't. Right. Big Ten doesn't have anything like that. So you're suspending Jim Harbaugh and only Jim Harbaugh for this nebulous thought that he might have had something to do with it when you have literally no proof of that. And I don't know, like today, you know, it was reported that Commissioner is going to be, be in town because he was going to be in town anyway because Michigan is hosting the field hockey league championships and that Michigan was going to push back very hard on any suspension for Harbaugh, which they should do. I just don't know if it's going to make any difference because, I mean, you have this like chorus of people now who are just like, you have to do something. You have to do something. And so you're going to do something, but it's not going to be do. It's not going to be anything that matters. All due respect to Jim Harbaugh, whether he's on the sidelining as Penn State or not, is not going to make a huge difference to who wins that game. No, this no. Is, this is his team, and he's been yeah. coaching it for years and years. They're not going to suddenly not be a Jim Harbaugh team because he's not on the sideline. Do you think there's a difference between on the sideline and suspended? Because I think that the suspension that he had earlier this season was like the Urban Meyer suspension, where he just doesn't get to coach during the week. 
or during the day, but like he got to coach during the week versus yeah. not being out there for the act for the whole week where like, you know, you were locked out of the building, you are not able to come up with a game I mean, plan. I mean, I don't know. But it it really just does feel like a witch hunt at this point cuz you're going to suspend this guy who's been beating your ass on the field because of this supposed scandal which Vegas doesn't think is anything. Mm-hmm. And you're going to find out this weekend that it's not anything. And you're going to find out against Penn State that it's not anything. Like the yeah. the most logical explanation for why Michigan's coaches didn't think Connor Stallions was doing anything crazy is because it was a marginal impact. And he was having a marginal impact before he started doing this stuff and he continued having a marginal impact. Like Ohio State claims they changed up all their signs before the 2022 game and we all saw how that went and how did michigan play in that game what did they do defensively they just sat back yeah they, they played, sat back they played too they deep made, they played the switch zones they did what you're supposed to do against an, a pro offense well yeah they, they sat back in too deep they made ohio state drive the field and when they got into third and short they knew ohio state was a terrible third and short team mm-hmm. so why would they play like that if they knew the signs? If they knew the signs and they actually knew when Ohio State was going to run, they wouldn't have played the entire first half letting, letting Trey Adam go for six to eight yards a pop. That's not how you would play if you actually knew the opposing team's signs. Nobody's so what interested. are we talking about here? Nobody's interested. I mean, you're talking to the same people who keep on repeating the line of like Harbaugh was X and Y versus the Big Ten before 2021. He was two and four in 2020, and then all of a sudden they get good. If they, I, I mean, they don't even hear themselves because what they're saying is that Connor Stallions is the only reason Michigan's been winning games since 2021. That's yeah, what they're the saying. Guy making, the guy making 55K a year is the one who's responsible for it, not the 20 draft picks on this team. Right. And I mean, all... it's, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and, and... and it's cope. It's, it's cope. cope. Yeah. Like, Ohio State fans got their brakes beat off in the last two years, and now it's like, oh, that didn't count. That didn't count because they had our signs. Michigan could have held up a sign that said Hassan Haskins power right in 2021 and still won that game. Yeah. We just talked about 2022 when they supposedly already changed up the sign. So what are we talking about here? Well, what I was trying to mention before is that I think that there's a because we're hearing from people from the insiders that like Michigan absolutely knows more than they can say right now. I think that's that's fair, right? That they Michigan has information that's affecting their decision to sign Jim Har- to to go ahead with Jim Harbaugh's contract, which is definitely not public at this point. And I don't know, man. I This is not conspiracy talking here. I'm not talking about ESPN or anything. I'm just talking about as far as the Big Ten opponents who see an opportunity right now when the media ecosphere is at the highest pitch to do something now. Because if they let it wait and they let an investigation play out and we get the facts on the table, it's not going to look as bad. And I can't imagine that they, they honestly believe the things that they are saying right now. I, it's, it's, they're, it's too wild. It's too out there. It's too insane. Even a lot of their fans are saying, dude, dial it back. It's, it's impossible they actually believe what they're saying. So I think that they yeah. see the iron is hot. Well, I mean, there's also the, these coaches on the call that are like, oh, yeah, all their wins this year are tainted. It's like, really? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, 
Like you thought, what what was going to be different about forty nine to nothing if Michigan didn't have Connor Stallions ever associated with the program? Like what about that was going to change? So I mean, they they're forced because of the way Michigan's played this season to make up these elaborate fictions about how valuable this was because Michigan has beaten everybody by forty points. Yeah, my, so I mean, if I could burn my hot matter. take. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if I could burn my hot take right now for that was kind of thinking about this weekend is that Michigan should just erase 21 points off of every game this year. If that's what they think. What they should do is in the third quarter against Purdue, just hold up whatever play they're running. (laughs) Just feel like this is what we're doing, guys. Try to stop it with your man coverage. Uh Uh-huh. Oops, didn't work. I mean, I'd like to see them do something like because right now they're just kind of sitting and taking it and. They're just letting everybody else run wild, and there's been no comment from them. There's there's things that you can't say about the investigation, but Ward Manuel could sit down at a press conference and talk about the media circus surrounding this. Yeah, That's not the investigation, but he doesn't because no. he doesn't do anything. When's the last time he said something that was helpful? You know, The one good thing about Dave Brandon is when Stretchgate happened, he had treated it with the contempt it deserves. Right. Uh, it turned out that he treated everything with that same contempt. <laughs> but, <laughs> but once in a while, you do need to But once contempt. in a while, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. We can be done talking about this. Let's move on to Purdue. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirt.com. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president of Peak Wealth Management, your MGO financial coach, and it is our goal to help you retire with peak confidence. Check us out at peakwm.com slash blog. Bo says the team, the team, the team. Lately, my mantra has been the plan, the plan, the plan. Check out the Trust the Plan podcast. Search out my name, Nick Hopwood, on any platform and give us a follow. You know, we haven't updated this ad in over two years because since the last versions went live, we only had one Big Ten loss. And honestly, I'm a little superstitious. But for this ad, I just want to give a shout out to all the loyal Wolverines and MGO blog fans who've reached out to us from as far as France, Japan, Seattle, San Francisco, Dallas, Florida, New York, and of course, all over the great state of Michigan. And you guessed it, we're pulling recruits out of Ohio as well, just like Harbaugh. Thank you very much. So no matter where life has taken you after your time in Ann Arbor, we're here to help you build a plan you can trust. If you're looking for a second opinion, visit us at peakwm.com slash blog today. Want 
Pinewood Organics is Ann Arbor's only cannabis microbusiness for adults 21 and older. They're a grower, processing lab, and dispensary rolled into one, cultivating and producing flour, old-school hash, edibles, CBD products, and more. You can find them across the street from Kroger on South Maple, just west of downtown, and at winewoodorganics.com. Veterans and MedCard holders save 10% on all orders, and first-time customers save 25%, as long as you're not wearing scarlet and gray. Welcome back to MGAR Radio 9.8. We now welcome Alex Drain back to the podcast. Alex is sick of this and didn't want to talk about any of it. <laughs> You're allowed to do that? No. <laughs> Alex is allowed to do that. We're stuck. Uh, all right. Before we get to Purdue, we'd like to thank Underground Printing for starting this and making it all possible. Stop by and pick up some gear. Check them out at UGPMichiganApparel.com or check out our selection of shirts on the MGOBlogStore.com. We'd also like to thank our associate sponsors, Peak Wealth Management, Matt Demers, Realtor and Lender, Human Element, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Guide, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Venue by 4M, Winewood Organics, Sharon's Heating and Air Conditioning, Signal Wire, where we recorded this, and Tom Brady's new app, Autograph Rewarding Fans, where you can earn rewards for things like reading MGO Blog and listening to this very podcast. How you doing, Alex? Uh, all right. Tired of signs, ready for football? Purdue is up there two and six Michigan is uh, favored by 34 points. This is a Ryan Walters team, the Illinois defensive coordinator last year who had an excellent defense featuring Devin Witherspoon and several other very good secondary players. He doesn't have any good secondary players at Purdue. He is still running pure man coverage, pure cover one. He's installed his defense and he's rolling with it. And it's year zero for him. Things are going very badly on that side of the ball. Yeah, it's it's going to be a multi-year project here. Uh, Purdue, for those who recall the last meeting in the Big Ten Championship game, very different team. They lost their quarterback, who I believe is going to be starting in an NFL game this weekend for the Raiders. They lost their star-wide receiver that was the focal point of their offense, and they got raided on both sides of the ball, especially in the trenches. This is a very diminished roster. So it's one thing when you're like, ah, this team doesn't seem very good. And then you go into the pro football focus grading and three of their five members of the secondary who start three of the four uh, and the one of the fifth is a free safety who's just nowhere ever near the ball. They're giving up 10 yards a target. So yep. they're, they're nickel, their box safety, and one of their cornerbacks are giving up 10 yards a target. And you just can't, defense like that you can't live like that well the good news for them is they play in the big 10 west so <laughs> <laughs> some of these and think... they're still giving up 10 yards a target <laughs> yes well, they played ohio state <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, that helps i believe their sp plus defense rating is 36 something like that which is the classic big 10 west bump but i charted them against ohio state and you saw the major issues here um they give those corners a lot of cushion. They line them up seven, eight yards off the line of scrimmage, which leaves them vulnerable to the easy eight, nine yard pickup. But it's doing their best to prevent down the field action. But there's still a, a lot of it. They just don't have the horses at this point in time. Uh, Rogers, number 13, is their one DB that I thought was kind of OK. The other guys 
just pretty much on every play, there were guys open. And obviously, you're playing Ohio State, great wide receivers, but they create havoc up front and they get some pass rush, which we can talk about in a minute. But the problem in this game against Ohio State was that even if they got somebody in the backfield, and they made McCord a little uncomfortable. He had one or two guys open on every single play, and that allowed him to get the ball out and keep the offense on schedule. Their front seven is very odd. They run out three defensive tackles on every snap. Pretty much. Even passing downs? A lot of them, yep. Yeah, I they mean, go to a 5-1 for their nickel. That's that's wild because none of those – there's one defensive tackle they have who's anything as a pass rusher. And so you'd think they'd have some packages where they pulled those guys off the field and allowed their two defensive ends to rush consistently because those two guys are probably the best players on the team. I would say so. Um Nick Skirton and uh, Kydron Jenkins are their names. You know, they rush five a lot, and so they put the three defensive tackles out there, and I think the idea is the defensive tackles to gum up a lot of the linemen and then let your edges feast more on tight ends and rush from out wide, that kind of thing. They don't drop those two guys into coverage all that much, only about a fifth of their snaps. I mean, um, pro football, so you got to look at it, though, as, like, passing snaps. So... Jenkins in particular is dropping on almost 40% of opponent passing snaps. Okay. Yeah, sure. Which seems, seems wild, especially because you don't get anything in terms of pass rush from your, your defensive interior. It feels like if it's third and 10, one of those guys needs to be off so that you don't have to drop one of your two best players into coverage where they're terrible. (laughs) That's the other thing is Jenkins is awful in coverage. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I want to talk about a little bit how their their defense works because the Ryan Walters defense is all about, like, taking man to extreme. You know, you think Don Brown was, you know, Don Brown liked to create five-man fronts, right? He would blitz one of his linebackers. He had four guys, but he did it with smaller players and then used momentum. They just do it with size. Like, Hydron Jenkins is their smallest lineman. He's 260 pounds. Nick uh, Colbervard, their nose tackle, he's 335 pounds. Nick Scorton... Uh, is what 280 like they're 280 yeah yeah they're all like big dudes and the idea is that they're supposed to be man on man with the five offensive linemen and the way they create pressure then because they're playing man behind that all the time is somebody has to drop right so the idea is just he's not supposed to last in pressure that long he's supposed to only drop back for a for a few seconds and then they're supposed to get pressure because they stunt guys they switch guys they're going to bring you know the safeties they bring cornerbacks that's that's the way it's supposed to work. It only works, though, if you're that extreme man, It's if you have the players. And if you notice, you mentioned Derek Rogers, true freshman. The other guy that you kind of like in the secondary, uh, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, Dylan Thineman? Uh, Dylan Thineman, Thineman, I think. Thineman, yeah. yeah. Another true freshman. So those are the guys that Ryan Walters identified and he went out and got. They're only true freshmen. But that's what he's got right now. Yeah, and it's worth pointing out with Skirt, and I put this in the piece, but his pass rush grade on PFF is really, really good. It's higher than Chop Robinson's. It's um, top 10 among all edge defenders. It's top two behind Aaron Lewis among all edge defenders with at least 250 snaps this season in the Big Ten, by the way, not not the country. But point is, uh, Jenkins and Skirt, even if they don't rush as much as we would like from a schematic standpoint, are really talented players. And Skirt had a strip sack on McCord, Uh, Jenkins had a sack as well. Um, Jenkins, I think, has seven sacks on the season. So this is going to, at the very least, give us a little bit of of interesting data points in terms of Michigan's pass protection against some really talented players. 
Yeah, and I think that's going to be the most interesting thing about this game because Michigan's going to win it by a lot of points. But Ladarius Henderson has not been tested by an NFL-level defensive end yet this year. And now he's got two. He's going to get one on every play. And we're going to see how he is at, at dealing with guys who should put his switch out to fl- left tackle under threat. And I don't, I don't think that it's going to go that badly, but you know, there could be some hiccups there. And then you're looking at whether Penn state gets Robinson back or his backup back for the Michigan game next week. And then you're looking at the two defensive ends for Ohio state down the road who are much better this year than they were a year ago, by the way, at getting at the quarterback. They've, they've taken a big step forward. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing in this game is just going to be on that side of the ball is just JJ's ability to find the open man, get the ball out, right? Like they're going to send guys. They're going to probably get some pressure here and there, but if it looks like the Ohio state game does, if JJ does his thing against pressure and is able to throw off his back foot to a wide open receiver, which there probably will be, then Michigan's offense shouldn't have a ton of problem moving the ball. And, and you noted in, your your piece that they blitzed on 70% of snaps against Ohio State. Now blitzes it's relative when you five. play a five. Yeah. 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 yeah it's they, they like to create pressure, but a lot of it's just playing a five man front. But they do pepper in the corner blitz, sometimes send the linebacker. Um it's it's quite a bit higher than Illinois last year. Uh when we charted Walters, he was more around fifty percent. But yeah, it's that was their approach against McCord was blitz, 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 blitz. Hope it throws him off and it did every so often, but Unfortunately, you got Marvin Harrison Jr. against a true yeah. freshman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr., there is no timer, right? Like three steps and he's gone. But I think the idea of the defense right now is you can only play man for so long. You're on a timer. So if you don't get to the quarterback and don't move him off his spot, somebody's going to be getting open. And that's really the key to this game is like they're going to probably use the safety to cut off Roman Wilson because that's what you have to do, which means can Cornelius Johnson create space for himself on a two-way go? Can you know? What, can we just toss the ball up to Colston Loveland? Or you know, that Michigan has the players to do that. AJ Barner can get contested passes. We saw the one against Michigan State. If you can, there's not going to be any contested catches in this game. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if they're that's playing, just... <laughs> if they're playing man, that's what you get. Is you're going to have somebody <laughs> dragging behind at least. If, if, if they're playing man and they're any good at it, yes, but. <laughs> I, all so right. I got I got a I got a problem with the the Purdue run defense, and it's that their stats don't make any sense. Okay, so they've given up more twenty yard runs and more thirty yard runs than anyone in the Big Ten. They are second from the bottom in ten yard runs. Okay, that's fine. They give up a lot of big runs. Whatever. They got a five man front. It either doesn't go very far or it goes pretty far. They're seventy eighth in success rate allowed, and they're something like. 33rd in EPA per play allowed. That doesn't make any sense <laughs> that those two sets of facts don't go together. So I'm I'm baffled. That's all I had. I mean it's the, the it's the nature of a five man front, right? It's Don they're Don Browning. It's not though. It's it's so you have a high success rate yeah. allowed, which means that you're stopping you're not I mean you have a your success rate is fairly low. You have seventy eighth in success rate allowed. Yeah. So you are giving up a small, like a, a number of successful plays, but the EPA per play being good for Purdue implies that they're not giving up a lot of long runs, but they are. <laughs> so what's going on? 
I, I, I don't, don't know. Have, I don't have a lot of answers um, for unless you. They, unless those runs are happening so late in the game that EPA is off. They, 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 maybe. I mean, usually you don't see that with like ten yard runs, though twenty and thirty possibly. But I mean, I don't know. It's weird. We're gonna find out this weekend. That's another intriguing thing. What's the deal with the Purdue run defense? I think we're out of stuff for this segment. We're going to take a break, <laughs> come back, talk about the Purdue offense. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, certified financial planner, founder and president at Peak Wealth Management. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. When you're watching the game, everyone knows what the score is. But you might be at halftime of your career. Do you know what the score is? Are you winning or do you need to play catch up? If you're behind in the second half of your career financially, we may need to run a hurry-up offense like John Navarre in the 2003 game at Minnesota, or run a three-quarter court press after a made free throw like Coach Howard likes to call. My team of CFPs at Peak Wealth Management are here to help you understand what the score is and what you need to do to win. Your spreadsheet doesn't tell you the score like we can. If you're going to spend all your free time watching replays of the 2021-2022 Ohio State games on repeat, you need to outsource your financial planning and investing with us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. At Peak, our goal is to help you retire with peak confidence. The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high quality and low latency communication functionality, for video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs. Original geeks of programmable communication. Hi, I'm Pete Cavarilla, owner of Sharon's Heating and Air Conditioning. We've been servicing Ann Arbor and Metro Detroit for over 40 years, and we know that the last thing you want to worry about is your heating and cooling system breaking down. Right now is a good time to sign up for our preventative maintenance plan, so you don't have to worry about it in November when the fourth quarters get interesting. Our maintenance members also get discounts and service calls, and you can rest assured our team plays tough in sun or snow and have never been called soft by Lou Holtz. Whether you need a tune-up, are ready for a new system, or want to upgrade your air quality before winter, Call us anytime or schedule an appointment on our website at SharonsHeating.com. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. And I'm swimming in the dark, Start. 
Welcome back to Abigail Radio 9.8. We now turn our attention to the Purdue offense, which uh, has been decimated by injury. They've lost their starting tight end and both starting tackles. So good luck, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hudson Card transfers in from Texas after he looked pretty good for Texas in relief of Quinn Ewers a year ago. Looks less good playing for Purdue. He's coming off consecutive games where his yards per attempt are 3.9 and 3.1. One of those was Ohio State. Okay. One of those was Nebraska, which is less good. I was still a little surprised to see him get the cyan from you, Alex. Yeah, I don't know. I was on the fence about that. It's definitely a better cyan than a number of the players. I think he's the fourth quarterback in a row, opposing quarterback to get the cyan, but he's definitely better than any of the previous ones we gave it to, we, we could have taken it off. I do think a lot of the issues with this offense is not his fault, that he's being put in a really tough situation, that when you take a guy off a team that has a lot of top 100, 200 recruits and he's not throwing to Savior worthy and yeah. you know, it turns out he looks a lot worse. So it's just a really rough setup for him to be in because he's not a super athletic kind of guy that's going to, really thrive when he's forced to run around and that sort of thing. Um, and their offensive line's a mess. And it's it wasn't good to start the season, and now it's depleted heavily by injuries. And I also don't really think he has any real weapons to speak of in terms of, of targets to throw to. No, and, and Pro Football Focus ranks every target that Hudson Card has in their, like, eh zone. They're like all between 66 and 63, which is what guys who have never played a snap get, basically. So <laughs> nothing has given Pro Football Focus an opinion about any of these guys. They're all ciphers. And, you know, they do bring back Devin Mockaby, who was pretty good a year ago, and they've converted former Iowa receiver uh, Tony Taylor into sort of Tyrone a Tyrone Tracy. Back. Tyrone yep. Tracy. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, guys. Tyrone Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, other Iowa transfer. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. So these guys have a pretty good yards per attempt. The problem for Maccabee is that he's fumbled six times this year. Yeah, that's a bummer for him. But the biggest issue here, really, to me with the running game is that the blocking in front of him, because I do like Maccabee quite a bit when he's holding onto the ball. And uh, Tyrone Tracy's had a nice season on the ground. But against Ohio State, and I've used that game as a comparison for Michigan, there just wasn't a lot of blocking. On the off chance they gave any of their running backs room to run, then they looked pretty good. And I, I like those guys. They're talented players. But it was a bloodbath. in term, Everything but that first drive was, was brutal for the Purdue offensive line. And we have a pretty good bar for what Michigan's defensive line is. And so I just kind of struggled to see a world where there's going to be consistent room for Maccabee or Tracy to really – um, do what they can do on the ground against Michigan. Yeah, I am interested. Sorry, go ahead. I am interested to see how Michigan's defensive tackles do rushing the passer in this one, because the one thing that does stick out about the players that Purdue has available is that their interior three are grading out very well in pass pro. So if Michigan's DTs are able to get to the quarterback, that'll be a good sign. Go ahead, Seth. Oh, yeah. I was, I best, that's basically exactly where I was going. They stole Jalen Grant, who was like the one good offensive lineman on um, on Bowling Green. They have Gus Hartwig back and Preston Nichols back at the other two spots inside. And, I mean, those guys, they're a little bit small. Michigan pushed them around last year. Um, Gus Hartwig was actually injured for our game last year. But they're 
I, they're they're. They run a, a zone. They, they run stretch zone a lot. So they're they're trying to run between those guys, and you know if they can't do what Minnesota did, right? If Michigan's not just hanging back and letting those guys get double somebody, when they have to go outside, they're not winning anything. Um, they're uh you know they're a Holgerson air raid. They grabbed Graham Harrell, who was the OC I think for one or two years at West Virginia, and he's you know supposed to continue the air raid stuff, but. They, it doesn't really work if you can't run off tackle. That's that's kind of what the West Virginia offense was always about. And they just don't have those guys right now. I don't like any of their tight ends. They're, the tight end who was kind of emerging this year is Max Clare, and he was he's probably going to be a, you know, a dude down the road, but he got injured, so now they're back to using Garrett Miller again, and he's just useless, and they just and, go four and wide. should point out that uh, Clare was a true freshman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah. When your true freshman gets injured, the guy behind the true freshman tight end is no good. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Never happened. It's Where it's like, oh, yeah, here's the fifth-year guy we got at tight end right. who's coming in, and he'll be good, despite the fact we were playing a true freshman over him. That yeah, it's not just him. Never it's, happened. There's three tight ends. There's George. Uh, there's another freshman that they're out, they're trying to throw out there right now who's still like a wide receiver size. And then there's like a, a third-year player who looks more like a fullback who doesn't do anything either. So they – I mean, there was a reason they were playing the true freshman. Special teams is notable because Purdue has tried two kickers this year, and they are collectively three of ten. It was goals. it was brutal against Ohio State. They went, I believe, 0 for 3 from field goal range. And that game was encapsulated by a drive where Purdue got first and goal from the 1, eventually had to attempt a 35-yard field goal, and missed it. And that was, like, all you really needed to know about that game. Also, both of their kickers have mixed, missed an extra point. Yes. <laughs> And Purdue is not scoring that many touchdowns, fellas. Like it's, <laughs> <laughs> they're not they've, yeah. all, they've had 21 extra point attempts this year. They've missed two. So their kicking situation is a complete disaster. They did get a kick return touchdown in their opener against Fresno State. Their punter is very boring. He's not good, but opponents only have 56 or return yards on him all year because he kicks it short. Yeah, he's and that we saw him last year. He's the Australian guy. Yeah. All right, score predictions. Seth Fisher, uh, forty-five to two point three. Alex Trey, uh, we'll do thirty-five to seven. Yeah, forty-four nothing. Nothing. Right. Nothing. Get nothing. I, how many? I, well, we, no, we got Penn State next. So we get nothing against Penn State as well. Very possibly. Are you going <laughs> to Cyan Aller? <laughs> I think you have to. I think you have to do it statistically. <laughs> Averaging like five yards in attempt in Big Ten play. You're doing the rest of these guys. You know, they got Hudson Card, Cyan, Kettenhauser, Cyan, Taven Jackson, Cyan, Athan Kaliak Makis, Cyan. The last guy he didn't was Henrik Harburg to walk on from Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> Is he better he than Henrik? Run, he can run the ball. All right, we're going to take a, a break, uh, come back, and one last look at something that happened a month ago. A million months ago, the Michigan State game. Here's a thing people say. Seth, tell me about your insurance. I'm actually glad you asked me about that because I just changed my insurance and I'm really happy I did. Let me guess. You use Phil Klein and Owen Rosen of the Phil Klein Insurance Group. They are MGO blog readers and they don't advertise during football games. And they've got a five-star rating on anything you would care to see. Call Owen at 248-682-7445 or visit them online at philkleininsurance.com. 
Maize and Blue Nation, it's Tom Brady. I co-founded Autograph with one mission in mind, change the fan experience for the better. That's why I'm excited to announce the release of a new app that recognizes the biggest Michigan fans. The Autograph fandom app gives you access to the best Michigan content, fan challenges, and exclusive rewards for diehard Wolverines, all for doing the things you already do, like listening to this podcast. Head over to the Apple App Store and search for Autograph Rewarding Fans and download today. It can be a rough ride along the information superhighway. That's why we build our e-commerce websites tough enough to handle the load. With the capacity to take hundreds of simultaneous online transactions and the stability of load-balanced co-located server architectures, a website from Human Element performs in the roughest conditions. Thousands of products? No problem. We'll throw in the tools to manage them with precision and efficiency. All with a design slick enough to make you think your girlfriend might be impressed. So load it up and hit the gas and let Human Element show you the way. Special offers available for returning lessees. Financing available with approved credit to qualified buyers. Client participation may affect savings. Optional equipment available at additional cost. See human-element.com for details. I can't believe I'm doing this. If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case, call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248 and 924-9458. Or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com. Hey, fellow Michigan fans, this is Matt Demarest, realtor and lender. For a decade now, you've heard me on the podcast talk about mortgages, and I've helped hundreds of fellow Michigan fans in that capacity, including Brian and Seth. But many of you don't know I'm a real estate broker as well. I promise to make buying, selling, or financing homes simple and cost-effective anywhere in the state of Michigan. Whether you're upsizing, downsizing, buying a vacation home, or building a real estate investment portfolio, send me a text or give me a call. It's never too early to make a plan, and the call is always free. My number is 734-882-8194. Again, 734-882-8194. Or you can find me online at realtorandlender.com. That's realtorandlender.com. Whether you want to buy, sell, or finance a home, or even all three, I promise to provide the experience so many of you have come to expect over the years. And as always, thank you, and go blue. NMLS 1011726, Equal Housing Lender. Welcome back to MGR Radio 9.8. Thanks to Joe Hurtler and the Rainbow Seekers for the interstitial music on the podcast. And now we will turn to the Michigan State game, such as it was. Um, eh. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. I mean, it felt, like, this felt so good. It was so fun to know, be there. I and know, like, but it's like, it's like the same. Like, now I got to talk about it. And I'm like, well, what am I going to talk about? J.J. McCarthy was pretty dang good. All right. That's yes. Fine. Yes, although you gave him a marginal for something that we didn't see before. Well, I, I gave him a marginal for the throw to Barner that almost got broken up. Uh-huh. Because that was, that was there, and he, he got to it late. But it did get there, so I wasn't going to make it in the bad category. But I do think that he needs to get to that faster. So okay. I gave him a marginal. I gave him a minus 0.5. He offset that with, I think, the first plus three of the year, which was the throw over Cal Halliday. <clears throat> 
in uh, to to Colson Loveland. He had another couple of throws that were NFL quality. I think the the one thing about JJ in this game is that the throws he were he was making were so confident, so accurate that it did actually feel like a level up from a previously very very high level. Mm-hmm. Um, and other than that, we saw Drake Nugent come in for his biggest score of the year, which was just a plus six because this team doesn't run any snaps, of course. But they were running that double A gap blitz pretty consistently, and he was picking it up every time. I thought he had a good, encouraging performance, and his grading this year for me has not been great. But that's mm-hmm. just because I haven't been grading many of his blocks. Because... Yeah, they're not they're not running off center as much as they were last year. Right, and I think that's you know they're focusing on giving guys the tougher, more relevant, gradable blocks because there's Zinter and Keegan and. And Henderson, you know, we don't haven't really talked about him very much, but it is very nice that he came in and immediately everything just felt settled on the offensive line. Yeah. Like Hinton <laughs> was turning in some great blocks and then he'd pick up a minus two. Henderson just doesn't do this. Henderson is smooth. He's he knows exactly what he's supposed to be doing. He's a very good player. He's gonna get drafted. And uh this week we'll get to see him against a very good defensive end, see if he's got the whole package. But so far, so good with him. Yeah, I, you know, I highlighted. Come... Oh, sorry. Before you move on too much, I wanted to move, go back to like that Loveland touchdown you talked about because that was the same exact play and got the same reaction from Michigan State pretty much as the touchdown to Roman Wilson. Now that one, he got pressure from a looper, right? And he had to run out and then and then makes that throw to, to Wilson for a touchdown. But it's the same exact play and gets the same exact coverage. And I think that's why he and he sees it. That's that's what I think is so interesting. He knows. So exactly you're talking. You're talking. Get. Well, we should clarify yeah. the one you're talking about. Yeah. You're talking about the first one where he's in front of Angelo Gross. Yeah. No. No. Right. I'm talking about the. No. I'm talking about the one where. He gets oh, you're Tom talking Halliday. about the Halliday one. The Halliday okay. one. Yeah. Because look how uh, that one. He throws it so fast, and I was wondering what your thoughts were on this because I, I did that one for my, my next sharpies. <laughs> well, my thoughts were on that one is like. They motioned into it, right? Uh-huh. So they I, I forget who moves, but they move someone across the formation. He sees its zone. He sees that Cal Halliday is gonna have to try to track Colson Loveland on a seam route, and he's like, easy money. Right. So right. like he, he knows exactly what the coverage is for Michigan State. And I think he's been really extraordinarily good at that all year. And like the number of bad reads I have for him, I think he had like three in the Bowling Green game, and then he had one the week after against Rutgers. Those are the only ones he's had all season. Yeah, um, I, I just I, I felt like this one was just a little bit more, you know, on target, or just a little bit. He just he, he seemed to know them, but he had had a more downloaded than even before. And like that was. You mentioned well, the one marginal, and I was like, that's is that the only time he didn't really know what the coverage he was throwing into was? Well, there is sort of an Ohio State 2021 thing happening here, right? Mm -hmm. So Mel Tucker gets fired. Harlan Barnett gets elevated. Michigan State is very simple. Like, they don't, they haven't been able to install all their stuff, I don't think, because of all the chaos that's going on. They're not very good. So they don't trust, they don't think they trust their guys to run a whole lot of stuff. So, like, every snap, it's a 4 3 even, and you can really easily determine whether they're running man or zone. Occasionally what they'll do is they'll shift from what looks like middle of the field open to middle field close, but that's pretty predictable as well. So 
they don't do a good job of disguise. They don't do a good job moving around. And they have severe limitations with some of their players. So, you know, go back to the sign stuff is like one of the reasons that Michigan keeps coming up with all these RPS pluses is because they can do a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, when you are a very limited football team, you're not going to come out of a game with like an RPS plus six because people can just sit on the one good thing that you do. And right. when Michigan can do a lot of things well, well, then that doesn't happen. Um, speaking of things that didn't happen, the Michigan State offense. I, was there anything to take out of this game? Well, you you mentioned RPS, so I can just segue off of that because this was actually a huge RPS blowout. Um, and it was not like sign-stealing RPS stuff. It's that Michigan, I think Michigan State's offense, as you mentioned, they just have not had the opportunity to install anything. They're throwing Kattenhauser out there, who was not the quarterback they expected to be going with. So they were just very easy to download. And as soon as Michigan had them downloaded, various Michigan players, and that that was an interesting thing. We see RPSs sometimes where, like, you know, Jesse Minter just has them downloaded and knows what he's doing. There was some of that in this game. There was also, I think, players generating RPS where they just they know exactly how to line up. Brain McGregor was doing this a couple times. He shifts in a little bit right before they're about to um, run off the opposite direction. And they zone read him and then he shows up right at the zone read and he tackles the guy on the on the handoff. And he well, sets I mean, that up by shifting inside right before the snap. I mean McGregor that's always been like his top skill. Uh-huh. Like if you if you try to leave him unblocked and you try to zone read him, that's just you're dead. Yeah. Like he's got Mario Ojibudia levels of that in his game. Yeah. So, you know, to me, that's that's a plus for McGregor, I guess, not an RPS for me. That, that, but in any case. Yeah. Yeah. I but it was it was hard to tell sometimes <clears throat> what I was getting at, what was RPS and what wasn't. The other thing they were doing is um getting pro, getting guys in unblocked, which we haven't seen very much before. Uh, I think this was, again, an adjustment to Michigan State that State is pretty easy to read. We know how they're going to set their line protections. And so they just gave them a look, get them to set their protection one way, and then all of a sudden we bring pressure from the other side. There was a little bit more taken out of the garage. I think that they just they wanted this one more, right? <laughs> and <laughs> that's why you probably get a shutout in this one, whereas before you know there was always like one dumb thing that broke. Um, or one dumb thing that didn't work. This game didn't really have the the thing that didn't work. No, uh, but it, there's not really. I don't know if there's anything to learn from from that side of the ball. I did, you know, kind of bemoan one Blake Corum run where he got one on one with a cornerback and wasn't able to really do a whole lot with it. And I was like, you know, I think in 2022 Blake Corum leaves that guy holding a cup yeah. of tea being like where do you guy where'd that guy go and we got another sort of not great refusal to put his foot in the ground from uh donovan edwards on <clears throat> a pin and pull that i mean probably wasn't going to go anywhere but it turns into a two-yard loss when if you put your foot in the ground and you ask how they change direction you're probably going to gain three yards like he's going to be slowing down taking contact hitting from the side and and just a little bit of a frustration there. But yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. No, I get. I it. did I, think. Yeah. I did think that the weird uh, pull from McCarthy on third and one mm-hmm. was a was a Roman Wilson thing because Roman Wilson comes in for the split block and blows the guy up, and JJ is reading that guy. Okay. 
So he's like, this guy's coming in. I'm going to pull it. That means that Roman Wilson was not supposed to block that guy. He was supposed to pop out to the perimeter. And then instead of it being two on O, it's two on one. I mean, it's one on one. And yeah. Yeah. Uh... Well, I, the way they read their bluff is that the, the bluff read or like you know, we, the arc read, we call it, right? The, it's, both guys are reading it, I think. So the, the blocker is supposed to read what the edge is doing, and the quarterback is supposed to get the same read. And that way, you know, if the block, you're not watching, or the quarterback watches the, 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 the blocker is supposed to make a read as well, right? So if Roman Wilson, it's not like he's told before the snap, blow that guy up. He's supposed to see where that guy is and then decide to either blow him up where it becomes too far inside, go around him, and you should have a quarterback behind you in a second. Well, yeah, so I, I charge that one to Wilson. Your mileage may vary. Mm-hmm. One last thing. J.J. McCarthy is not a game manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> he's simple. The most flabbergasting take uh-huh. I can remember in the history of college football was J.J. McCarthy is a game manager. Um, yeah. Well, we've had the uh, I mean, we've had a couple of like, like, you know weird takes this week. But... You are now muted. You are now Sorry. unmuted. Um. I, I did want to point out that I think it's time to start the Heisman campaign for Graham next year. Mason Graham? Mason Graham. Sure. Let's go for it. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just every week he's doing it with the club. It's like, man, he had no mistakes. There was not a single negative I had this, this week on him. Like, sometimes they get him with a double or whatever, and it's just it's, it's just one of those things where, like, okay, he's already a boringly awesome player and a true sophomore. Yes, sir. All right. All right, guys. Stay safe out there. Boris is a mayor and a land surveyor with plans of his own. He hates Aruska. He hates a vodka bandit from his home. He hates Aruska. Aruska. Vodka. Vodka. He never drank a single drop. He hates Aruska. Aruska. Vodka. Vodka. This poison he swears to stop. He's singing la da 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 Boris was visited by demons.